Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. You know, last week we uh, started a new sermon series called uh, Three Steps at a Christian Walk. And as I said last week, this isn't a, a, a step-by-step way of, of doing things, but, it, but it, it helps us to remember how it is that we can advance in our, our Christian walk and our Christian life. We started out with the first step, which is stepping out in faith. Stepping out in faith. And we talked about how sometimes we look at stepping out in faith as in this, this some kind of uncertainty. The, the stepping out into the unknown. Maybe it's an irrational move. Maybe it's a way that we, we move because we're, we're just paralyzed any other way. So we just, we just go. But that's not what, what faith is. Paul reminded us in Romans that faith is, at first it's a statement of belief. When we have faith, we are, are saying that we believe that Jesus is Lord. We believe that Jesus is Lord. And, and, and for those in Rome, this was a, a mind-blowing idea. It was mind-blowing because that's what they called Caesar. Caesar was Lord, but if you claimed, if you placed your faith in saying that Jesus is Lord, you are saying that the state no longer has control over my life, or I no longer belong, believe in the ruler of the state, but Jesus is the person that I place my trust, which is also a statement of allegiance. We're no longer following the will of the state, but we are following God. So once we we make this statement of faith, once we step out in faith, it calls us to do something else. And today we are talking about once we step out in faith, we must step toward each other in unity. We step toward each other in unity. Our scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter, verses 20 and 23. Through 23, hear the word of the Lord. Jesus is speaking, and he says, as he prays to God, I am not praying only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of their word. I pray that they will be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, I pray that they also will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they can be one just as we are one. I'm in them, 
and you are in me, so that they will be made perfectly one. Then the world will know that you sent me, and that you have loved them just as you loved me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, as we gather in this time, we ask that you open up your scriptures to us. As we experience and as we explore what steps we take as your believers, what steps we take as your disciples. So God, we ask that during this time, you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I love the word unity. You know, unity is this word that I think we, we try to grasp as God's people, isn't it? We want to experience unity, but we know that through history, and even if we look through Scripture, we can see that unity or, or disunity has, has plagued the church. The lack of unity or disunity has plagued the church. All, all we have to do is take a look at all of the different denominations that we have around us. I was reading through Facebook, and, and a theologian by the name of Leonard Sweet, he posted uh, a little statement about denominations. He said that in 1900, the World Christian Encyclopedia said that there were 1,600 different denominations. In 1900, 1,600 different denominations. But as they did their research and they looked at the year 2012, that number grew, not just by hundreds, but by thousands. So where now there are 43,000 different denominations. One of my early mission trips, I remember driving through uh, the Appalachia Mountains, and, and we came across this town where we saw uh, this one church. I, I can't quite remember the full name of it, but I remember it had a very unique name. But then as we drove down the street, I kid you not, there was another church that said, the new, and it had that exact same name of the church. A lack of unity, a lack of, of purpose, a lack of drive. You know, we, we can get caught in, in this division game. We can get caught in, in the denomination game easily. Well, they don't like this, so that's why we don't like that denomination. They don't like this, or that's why we don't like that. We even see this in our own denomination now. Well, because they believe this, we don't want to have anything to do with them. But my friends, that is not what Christ calls us to do, especially in our scripture. Christ says, I want them to be one just as we are one, talking to God, just as, as I am one with the Father, I want the church to be one with us. 
That's why if you notice in the bulletin, every Sunday there is a name of a congregation from our local community in the bulletin. And each Monday I write a note to the pastor of that congregation to let them know that First United Methodist Church of Royal City is praying for you, praying that the gospel of Jesus Christ is shared through their congregation so that we may be one. See, unity isn't finding ways that we agree with each other and walk lockstep, and that way we have just the exact same things. All of us are different. All of us have different gifts and graces, and we'll talk about that next week. But we have to remember that unity isn't being exactly the same, but it's being united with one purpose. And that purpose is the mission of the church to advance God's kingdom and to advance God's purposes for the whole world. So how do we do that? Well, the first is that we remember our mission. The mission of our church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Now, we're going to have disagreements on how we do that. You know, we may have disagreements on worship styles. We may have disagreements on the types of mission that we do. We may have disagreements on what curriculum we use for Bible study. But once we identify and we share that our our vision, our, our, our mission is exactly the same, to make disciples of Jesus Christ, and we can move forward in unity. And that's important because we then begin to share the story of Jesus Christ with others. We begin to share how that story has affected our lives, that it has helped us to grow in our relationship with God and with others. You heard when we were passed out the Bibles what I said to our third graders, that I want the story that is in Scripture to become their story. Because once that becomes their story, it is a lot easier to share. It's a lot easier to internalize. It, it, it's not a way that we hammer people over the head to become followers of Christ, but it's just that, hey, this, this is what God means to me. This is how my relationship with Christ helps me to see God's love and grace to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Recently, I was in a meeting with a bunch of church leaders, and I have a good friend who just loves to talk about disciple-making and what it means to make disciples. And during this uh, question-and-answer time, he raised his hand and asked the speaker on the stage, so, so what exactly does it mean to make disciples? And the, and the, and the leader laughed. He said, you know what, I, I don't have an answer for you. And everybody kind of looked back and went, what do you mean you don't have an answer? He says, the reason why I don't have an answer is because making disciples is about knowing your ministry context. Because 
what works in Royce City, Texas. How you make disciples in Royce City is going to be different than how you make disciples in downtown Dallas. And how you make disciples in downtown Dallas is going to be different than how you make disciples in Wichita Falls, Texas. We have our own issues. We have our own struggles. We have our own uniqueness, even as a community. That you can't just do a cookie-cutter idea and place it down over our community and say, this is how we're going to do it. Because when you do that, you ignore the human factor. You ignore that each and every one of us has a desiring and a yearning. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I look at the gospel of Jesus Christ, it doesn't give a cookie-cutter answer, but it calls for a relationship. Jesus defines what a disciple looks like in John 13, 35 with these words. This is how all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. That's a broad statement, isn't it? That's a huge statement. But how you show love to your neighbor in Royce City is different than how you would share your love with someone not in our community. You still show love. You still, you still wrap them in the embrace of, of God's love and grace. But you talk differently. You use words differently. You maybe act differently. One of the ways that we do that is that we forgive. Forgiving is a, is a key component in loving others. Jesus was sharing a story about an ungrateful servant. And Peter, in Matthew 18, he asked a question of Jesus. He says, God, how, how do we, how long, how many times should I forgive my brother? Should I, should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus looks at him and says, no, you shouldn't forgive him seven times, but you should forgive him 70 times seven. That doesn't mean that you count up to 490, I believe, if my math is correct, and say, okay, that's 490, 491, no way. But what Jesus is saying is that you continue to forgive. You continue to share love with them, not because it is something that, 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 that unlocks this magic notion, but it shows honor. And my friends, when I look around the world today, I see a world that it just refuses to show honor to one another. So we are just a, a collection of people trying to understand what it means to live out this call that God has placed on us so that we can be true to who we are. And if we can't forgive, and if we can't honor, we just miss the boat. We honor by finding ways to serve. We honor by making sure that we don't 
hoard what God has given us. And we honor by, by not forcing our will on others. Galatians 5.13 says it this way. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. See, my friends, when my freedom limits the work of God, we have a problem. When I say that I should get whatever I want, and it doesn't matter how it affects others around us, then we kind of take the garden hose of, of grace and we just kind of kink it. And we, allow, we fail to allow God's love and grace to flow freely to others. So we just have to let go. Now, this isn't the frozen theology. You know, Elsa running around the mountaintop singing, let it go, let it go. Because that, that, that's kind of like when we talk about faith being this unwilling or, or this way of just rushing out into the unknown. But when we let go, when we allow our selfish desires or what it is that we want, and we start thinking about what is it that God wants, there is freedom in that. So I'm going to give you a little exercise to think about this. I do this every morning during my devotion time. Whenever, whenever I, I sit down to read scripture, I, I, I start by just sitting still. Whenever I'm sitting still, I, I take my hands and I, and I clench them. And, and I, I have them face down on my lap and I'm clenching hard. And I'm thinking about all of those things that I want control of. I'm thinking about all of those things that I feel like I deserve. I think about all of those things that I want to have, and I don't care about what others want. I'm thinking about me. But then there is a moment where I realize and I remember that it's not just about me. It's about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I slowly open up my hands, and I turn them over. And I pray, God, fill me. Use me. Allow me to be a messenger of your love and grace. As I open my hands to you this morning, fill me so that whenever I see people that I don't agree with, when I know that things aren't going my way, I am open to what it is that you want me to do. I am open to your calling in my life. See, stepping towards one another in unity is, is, is hard to do. I will admit that. It's one of the hardest lessons that I still learn daily. But thanks be to God that when I let go of my desires or my wants and I open up to God's will, it frees me 
to love others as God has loved me. Let us pray. Dear God, as we learn to love each other, as we take that first step to step out in faith, help us to continue our walk, just to open our hearts and minds to each other. Why the world is calling us to divide over and over again. Help us to claim that unity in Christ so that we may live out the prayer that Jesus prayed to our Heavenly Father to let us be one as the Father and the Son are one together. Let us embrace that unity in a bold way that allows your love and grace to penetrate our lives, our church, and our community so that others may see you through us. And we pray this in the name of the one who gives us life and life abundantly, Jesus our Lord. Amen.